welcome. Akaluki Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 170. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much, man. Had a great, crazy ride since uh, last we podcasted, which was before um, the 4th of July break. I tell you, we took a took a decent break and we were all over the freaking map. Yeah, it's been two weeks and yeah, we've been... We've had our own individual European vacations, uh, as well as other funsies and incidents in that two-week period. So it is crazy. It was crazy because we were both on break and went to Europe at the same time. Yeah, completely different parts, but both had great experiences. And yeah, we're gonna, you know, both have some interesting ski ties too, of course, like everything does in our lives. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit more later on. But thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And thank you again for reaching out to us, whether it's on Instagram or emails or everywhere where you guys are hitting us up. It's, it's really cool just knowing you guys are listening and that you're finding this enjoyable and that you're connecting. We do appreciate it. We've gotten a lot of love in the last few weeks from Seriously. people on Instagram, celebrities, I won't mention names, but Lindsey Vaughn, Tommy Vaughn, um, people that like have ski wax companies, like there's like emails coming in. Like it's really, it's a good little feeling, you know, to have that, I guess everybody else is feeling the, uh, summer blues and, and want to embrace the, uh, the ski life, man. I it's like, like a weird little community we're putting together, which I really like. Yeah, it's a lot of like-minded people who obviously love skiing and snowboarding and snow, but also, kind of are a little bit weird and demented like we think we probably are and find people who are of you know similar similar dimensionness dement dimensionosity demented something i don't know exactly but yeah. if it's similar year round like wanting to look for hey what's going on with skiing like come on we always bring it back like no matter what time of year it could be 100 degrees out right now we're going to bring it back to say Here's what's going on in the ski world. Here's what you got to look forward to. Skiing, skiing, skiing. Even though we talk about stupid shit, it's all about skiing. Skiing's coming. Skiing's right. here. Skiing was there. We're going to skiing. We are your weekly audio ski trip. That's what we do. So thank you so much for listening. Check us out, skibumppodcast.com. Going to be doing a little bit of a uh, refresh of the website in the next couple, probably, let's call it months and not weeks. Started working on that recently, not changing as much as last year, which was the big overhaul and rebrand. This is going to be a little more polishing. So it's been a fun activity and something I like doing in the summertime because, again, it keeps it's, it keeps me more engaged with, with what we're doing. You know, because I always look at I always look at things, you know, whether the gym or working on the website. I always think about whatever I'm doing right now is going to pay off more in four months. You know, I always kind of, it, it helps me to frame what I'm doing and helps me to do it. Because, you know, a lot of times you'll just go to the gym and be like, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to go and go to the Taco Bell or go to, uh, you know, the mall, wherever people go these days. I don't know. But no, I, I just, I think about what's, what's January going to, it's almost here. It's almost January. And what can I do now to make my January 2020 
better. That helps me focus and get in the zone. Because you know when you have to dig deep later, it's all the work you put in now that's going to get you to that place when you feel it and you're digging deep. You're like, I'm glad I did those extra squats. I'm glad I did that extra cardio. I'm uh, glad I did three spin classes a week. I'm glad I, glad I did stretching. I'm glad I did fucking yoga. Like uh, anything work. helps, man. That's right. Wow. Got to do it. So yeah, so check us out at uh, website. Also check us to the shop there. If you want to buy some cool swag. And uh, this summer... Got some love with the swag, man. Everybody loves the... Skewonpodcast.com slash shop. And there was going to be some summer swag, but unfortunately, due to... an Not an incident. Due to parameters that could not be met with the printer, they've kind of been pushed off, which is totally uh, fine. Uh, uh, yeah, there's that going on. If you're watching the video version, there's that. That was a shunning. That was a shunning. Yes, that was that was something. That was a video. Uh, I don't know what that was. Want to send us an email? Skibombpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Podcast. We're also on SoundCloud and YouTube and Spotify and iHeartRadio and a bunch of other stuff. But just go to the website, Skibombpodcast.com. And that's where... It's a good one, too. It's, it's something. It's definitely something. Definitely something. All right, with that, let's kick it off like we always do. It's time for our pray today. Mario, do you want to kick this off? I can kick it off because uh, I don't know. So where I went in the in the world, uh, this is one of the popular drinks there, and I've had this for apre. Uh, I think I mentioned it last year, and I tell you what, I made a good old fashioned Negroni. If anybody hasn't had a Negroni, it's really good, especially if you, um, I don't know, especially if your stomach doesn't feel great. It's got a little bitter stuff in there and it's got a little gin. So I'm a gin guy. So I went up to the bar a long time ago, said, you know what? I'm done with beer right now. I got to take a little break. What do you got? And of course, I was in Switzerland and it was an Italian bartender. He's like, oh, I'm making a Negroni. So. Drank a bunch of those. Uh, equal parts of Bombay Sapphire, Campari, and Sweet Vermouth with a little bit of orange peel to garnish it on the rocks. Very simple to make. And this is what it looks like with the ice melted. What is Campari exactly? So Campari, uh, it's it's like a liqueur made from bitters. So it's bitter without adding the bitters. You know how you make a, um old-fashioned... You dash the bitters in there, the Angostura bitters. Campari is kind of like that in a in a liqueur. You know what I mean? Or like a diluted version. Of, so that stuff is like pretty, isn't it like a really high alcohol, the bitters, like 40-some percent or something? Uh, I think the bitters themselves, Campari, I don't think it's that bad. but Right, because it's almost like a like a diluted version of the, the bitters, right? Yeah. Like a liqueur. The, it's kind of like a liqueur in there. And uh, I don't know. It's weird. Like I've heard of Negronis before and I've seen them around. Nobody ever thinks about them, but I tell you what, they do hit the freaking spot once in a while. Cause I've been on the Moscow mule train for some time again. Since 2015. Damn. Well, I went big. I went hard the last like three weeks. And then I was like, I had Negroni. I was like, I think I'm switching to a Negroni. There you go. Is that, no. is that the official 
drink of the summer of 2019 for you? It it kind of is the end of the summer of 2019. The uh, official almost ski season drink, perhaps. I could we call it. You know what? That might be the almost ski season drink. Nice. Gonna have to think about that a little bit more, but yeah. Have like a Negroni bucket. Ooh. It sounds good, but also bad. You need it on ice like because it's bitter and it's kind of like you drink the first sip. So here's the thing with the Negroni. If you haven't drank in one and if you haven't had bitters in your life before, you're going to drink it like this is fucking disgusting. Mm. But you have one sip and it kind of hits you like right in the face. Like, God, wow. And then you have another sip and you're like, hmm, that's not bad. And then you feel it working on your stomach like, ooh, this is pretty good. I think I could do that. This and then, has health benefits. I will continue just, to consume. Exactly. And you smell it and it has like aromatics, like it has like herbaceousness and stuff like that. And you just sip it and sip it again and sip it again. And before you know it, like you're done. And your pants are off. Your pants are off and you're like, <laughs> this is happening. Scusi, Negroni here. <laughs> it's scusi. That's what you do. It's time, so you mean scusi. And then that's it. And then you have another Negroni and uh, everything's better. You know, the next <laughs> day you're, you're trading stories about like soccer and stuff that went on the night before. You know, it's all yeah. good. That's, that's the power of the Negroni right there. <laughs> How about you, Brian? What do you got? I am having an, a beer. A lovely wheat beer. And this one was an interesting pick because I'm usually not a fan of wheat beers. And I will be honest, I don't love this beer, but I, right. I, I love the idea of it. I like the honesty. I love, I love the theory of it. I love what they did. So we went to a BYOB Mexican restaurant a few weeks ago and didn't realize it was BYOB, walked in. They, we said, where's the closest liquor store? They say, it's right there. We walk across the parking lot. We go and check out the beers. Nice selection. What I grabbed was that Agua Fresca, one that you recommended, that one by oh, New yeah. Belgium. Love that. That's, love that one. That's a great, like, just drinking all day summer beer. And then as I was grabbing that, I something caught my eye. I can't find that Agua Fresca anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, not that. I've, I've picked up, like, three six-packs already this summer. Tampa Bay's like fuck you guys. Like we're not carrying it. Apparently, that's uh, it's hard out there. The lightning capital of the world. I know. Get so, any, but you can't get a agua fresca from us. Brutal. So I saw this can, very bold and bright, as you can see. Nice. It's purple and yellow. And what this is is, is um, from Harpoon. They do that UFO collection. Oh, I love Harpoon. They have those uh, UFO. I guess it's unfiltered. Oh, whatever O is. Unfiltered Unf- O. A lot of O in there. Unfiltered something. But they do a couple different varieties of these. They have a grapefruit one that's really good. They have, um, what's the other one they always have? And it's just called the UFO, which is just a regular, you know, unfiltered wheat beer they go with. But they've been doing some more collaborations. And what this one is, is a blueberry lemonade collaboration with the good folks at Polar. And if you're not from the Northeast or Boston kind of area, you may not be familiar with Polar because all you fancy people are drinking your LaCroix, 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 whatever you want to call it, thinking that those people invented seltzer. These fuckers at Polar, they've been making this stuff since 1882. 
The Damn. polar family. It's a bunch of bears. They're a bunch of polar Damn. bears, and they make seltzer. You didn't know that, did you? Is that well, part of Amy Polar? Um, she is a second cousin, apparently, Damn. of the polar Look family. They are based out of Wista, you queers. Wista, Mass. It's the polar from Wista. Yeah. So, not only am I drinking a polar collaboration beer i'm also drinking a polar seltzer at the same time and both have blueberry one is the seltzer is a blueberry tangerine and the beer is a blueberry lemonade so it's a blueberry polar festival happening right now fancy blueberry drinking motherfucker right now it's all about having a theme theme damn i like it rolling with it yep i like it I will tell you the the it, if you don't like blueberry like in your beer, UFO like, blueberry don't... lemonade is no longer brewed. Look at that! They they made it last year. Nobody they bought it. it. I found the last six pack. Done. Yeah. Well, that's it's a beautiful thing. They only had a few blueberries left. They put it into this batch of beer. Bada bit, bada boop. Now it's gone. You missed bada it. Bit, you lose, you lose. So again, it's a very light beer. It's like a four point eight. It's a nice summer refreshing beer. This is my second one today. I feel fine. I'm not gonna. You're going crazy, dude. You should um, put that next to your four loco that they don't make anymore. Just hold it next to it. I'm still waiting for that four loco to start eating through the can. You gotta have, have it. I haven't, fridge. I haven't checked on it this week, so I don't know if it has yet. <laughs> I feel like that could be the plot for the next, like, if Stranger Things ever catches up to like 2019, it nice. could be like something to do with four loco. You could have like a um, a whole fridge dedicated to like retired beers. And stuff like that, and just be like stuff that they've like banned, like not even retired, just like banned. So yeah. four locos, maybe this one was banned. Like somebody in Worcester, the Polar family was like, we can't have this anymore. I don't think it was actually banned. We just stop, just stop making it because they always it do sounds, these. It sounds better when it's banned. It says limited, and that always cracks me up because let's be perfectly honest, everything is limited. It's limited to the amount we could sell, right? Exactly. Not the quote from Fight Club. On long enough timeline, everyone's something turns to zero. Everyone's Turn life, it. days remaining, breaths left, just turns to zero. So it was a Mike Tyson thing. Uh, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> that's right. That's one of the best quotes ever. That's right. That's true, man. That's life right Everybody's there. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Hi, oh, he says with that. Little voice, but like he will kill you, okay. dude. World champion at nineteen, you can't even can't even imagine. Oh man! But anyway, you, this may beer, you may not like blueberries, you may not like lemonade, but if you like wheat beers, wheat beers, it's nice and uh, it's not overly flavorful. Like it's got a little hint of the blueberry lemonade, but uh, you know, it's just a nice light wheat beer. So that's your thing, and you can find it because apparently it doesn't not being made anymore there you go i like it all right so next up while we're still like at opre let's talk about miller introducing the controller for video games um i was trying to pull it up but there's like a video and a sign in i read the article before but basically what it is is they have this can with beer in it and they have video game controller on the outside, kind of like a Xbox or a PlayStation video game. 
and it's pretty awesome. It looks pretty dope. Um, it's completely it's ridiculous, extremely <laughs> stupid, but also kind of awesome. But it's awesome that they actually have the beer in it. So, you know, it's funny. I, I saw CNET and they reviewed it and they're like, yeah, it's a shitty controller, but it kind of works. <laughs> for something like you know and they're like you probably don't want to open it because in the beer that's left over is going to kind of stink um but it's miller white it's going to stink anyway but it's great they actually are like fuck it let's just put it on a on a beer can man i love it you know whether you like the beer or not like i don't care but it's a great concept like hey i don't see the is doing now with heady topper making a making a heady topper controller (laughs) heady topper controller Come on, Hetty Topper. Come on, Sip of Sunshine. You guys are better than that. You can make it happen. Dude, how did, how did we break out in the e-games? Hetty Topper controller, man. And you know what? No Vortex either. Oh, can you imagine that the Vortex? The vortex? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, you, you, you finish your game. You win the e, like, e-sports freaking championship. And you just fucking Vortex right down. Vortex, vortex it. Double double vortex, like the uh, like, like the double lightsaber, you know. That's right. Double vortex. Boom, boom. You know, nobody would be able to chug. They'd be like Aaron Rodgers, just like fucking pouring on him, like just like, yeah, not good. Yeah. So next up, because you know the beer world's been crushing it this past week. Man charged after using case of beer as a booster seat for his two-year-old. Damn. Now, <laughs> this happened in Canada, not in Florida. Surprisingly. I was so glad, man. It wasn't like south. Like, it was it was north of the border. Hello, so, Tim Hortons. That's what yeah. you got in the backyard. That's right. If he had a double-double as the booster seat, it would have been fine. There you go, Tim. Like, like some Timbits. If this <laughs> little kid was sitting on a box of Timbits, it wouldn't have been a problem. They would have... That, that happens all the time. The best thing about this article is the photograph <laughs> that shows it shows the case of beer, but the and brand is like pixelated out. Everybody can guess what the brand is. Dilly dilly. You sure can. <laughs> That's right. Pitbull says Dale, and I know it's light beer. Yeah. Put it that way. The toddler was sitting on a 30 can case of beer. Police say a 22-year-old driver was charged with failing to ensure that a toddler is properly secured in the vehicle. Now, it doesn't say that this was the father, obviously. And now, I don't know why this 22-year-old is driving around with this two-year-old. If it was like that could have been the babysitter. Brother, cousin. Can you imagine if that was the babysitter? Like, yeah, I was going out. I was going for a bunch of drinks, maybe some, some more smokes. And I put the kid on the case and just drove around. Well, it's a big deal. As a parent of an almost two-year-old, <laughs> and as someone who was once a 22-year-old man, man in quotes, probably more like a boy, I would never put my two-year-old with a 22-year-old male for any period of time. With that but, 22-year-old being a, a, the, the primary care person. But it was a 30-pack of beer. So I got to so, say... So 30 is greater than 22. So the beer was actually the one who was babysitting, not the 22-year-old. Well, if you get stranded, let's say you're in Canada. It snows a lot. Let's say if you go off the road, you're in like a snow ditch. 
you have a lot of beer left over, man. Like you're not starving. You're not thirsty. Like was it a survival thing? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it's all just madness. And I don't think this is actually the real photo because the picture I'm seeing is it says 24 cans and they're claiming there's a 30 can case. Yeah. There's some fishiness here. I think they substituted the bud cans for the Stroh's 30 pack, which I, you know what? In college. I bet it was probably Molson, a Canadian beer. Could have been they, had to, they had to put a goddamn American beer because yeah. there's pussies up in Canada trying to make us look bad. It's fucking coconut. You know that. It's coconut. <laughs> it's goddamn coconut. It's the but it's the Bud Light of Canada. It's coconut. And then there's and like I, the and I have a Canadian girl in this house that'll be like, I love coconut. And there's an exchange rate, so it makes it even worse. That's why you get thirty. That's why you get a thirty pack. Thirty is the new twenty four. <laughs> it's a Canadian twenty four. The Canadian twenty four. It's the exchange rate. That's what you get. So we don't really advocate much, but we definitely do not advocate putting your two-year-old on a case of beer as a booster seat. It's not recommended. Let's just put it that way. That's our official stance. Don't do it. All right. Next up, we love Japan for a reason. And Japan is famous for a bunch of crazy shit all the time, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So... Just happened. Ruby Roman Ishikawa grapes just sold in Japan uh, at auction. A bunch of grapes. One grape to snack on might cost you $460. That's right. Not a whole bunch of them. One grape. One goddamn grape. So, big grapes, though. <laughs> this is a big ass grape, but like, Earthy grape. if it's not the size of a football, I got a hard time believing it's even worse. So it's crazy, man. So there's a manager of a chain of hot spring hotels in in Ishikawa Prefecture on the northern coast of the main Honshu Island. Uh, he became the winning bidder of a bunch of ruby Roman grapes at auction in Kanazawa on Tuesday. So... He will pay 1.2 million yen, which is about $11,000 for 24 plump, deep red grapes prized for their juices, high sugar content, and low acidity. It's the most expensive bunch since the breed came to market 12 years ago. So I guess this is a thing. And the dude is holding him up and he's like, oh, can you imagine like, you ever hold up like a bunch of grapes and one falls off? Like you'd be like, ah, oh, I was like 500 bucks almost. It's crazy, man. The way so, he's fondling these grapes. Yeah. Like gonna photo, some, there's going to be some fucked up Japanese hentai stuff with these grapes going on. I have only dreamed of someone fondling my grapes in the way this gentleman is fondling those. That's crazy. Yeah. So they're saying ruby red grapes were developed in Ishikawa and first came to market in 2008, and they've been hugely popular ever since. And they said with only a select number being sold to keep demand and exclusively hot levels high, exclusivity levels high. So they're saying around 26,000 will be sold this year, uh, though not all will go for the record prices seen. But they're saying the expensive fruit is prized for their appearance, taste, and key luxury uh, which is good in Japan, 
brought as gifts and promotional purposes by businesses. Isn't that crazy? Dude, they like this is like the weirdest thing ever. I mean, they have it's not just that, they have these weird like white strawberries that go for ridiculously oh. expensive amounts. They have like Even white strawberries, the melons, the like funky chips, watermelons, like a triangle watermelon. It's a fucking melon. What the hell? Yeah. Like, oh, this is so I can't even do that. It, that sounds racist when I do it, but like they're all like we, oh. we know how the accent sounds. Yeah. We, oh, we're like, God. oh, we love these little triangle melons. Let's like they're rare. Like they're not fucking rare. You grew them that way. White ass like strawberries. That's not a strawberry. That's a white ass strawberry. It looks like something's it's like the white walker strawberry. Dude, like those melons, like you got like a square melon and a rectangle, like it's fucked up. Yeah. It's crazy crazy yeah it seems like there's like a whole cottage industry there in japan for weird exotic expensive fruit so the durian melon they talk about now have you ever had that no have you i haven't andrea had she said it's just Mm. it's like the most like smelly disgusting awful thing ever so they actually i i knew somebody that worked in the fragrance industry and they went you actually know the same person went to Asia. I forgot where they were. I think it might've been Thailand, but they have these durian fruit. They actually ban them for most places because they're so stinky and they're just this goddamn stinky melon. And they say it tastes okay, but it's so stinky. You don't even want to taste it because it's like the, the stink just like drives you away. And I'm like, I can only, I don't even want to imagine what they smell like, but like they love them. Uh, it's like a big delicacy. It's a durian melon. It's but isn't that such a weird thing that someone would go, "Oh my god, this smells so nasty." I think I'll taste it anyway. Yeah, let me put this in my mouth. Isn't isn't that the whole point of our 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 smell to kind of warn us against things that are dangerous and may cause cause us to have problems if we eat it? Like, isn't that the one of the main reasons evolutionarily why we have a sense of smell? Dude, that's why people die all the time, like eating stuff they shouldn't. Like, why did he eat that? Like, I don't know. Like, poison fucking berry. Kobayashi. It was a white strawberry, so I had to eat it. And they, was it okay to die? Well, yeah, it was good. It was dipped in acid. I mean, you know, it made it white, but I'm sure it was delicious. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, hey, you know, if you got a few bucks to to waste, you want to buy some fancy grapes, I'm not going to stop you. That's That's a wonderful thing. Imagine being on an auction, but like, man, one of those grapes just fell off there. My price just dropped. <laughs> Imagine being the guy who got like second place, like who got outbid. Uh, probably yeah. like, you know what? Good. Fuck that guy. And his $11,000 grapes. He's like, I bet $400. I thought I was crazy then. This guy, <laughs> like, this guy bet 11000 He didn't even, he didn't even like bump up to 500 or 600. He went right from 400 to 11000 Do you know what you do Maniac. after you lose that bid for 11000 dollars for a bunch of grapes you go out you spend like a thousand dollars on all the fucking grapes you can and just costco you clear that place out (laughs) clean it out you just swim in grapes for like a day just like that's right i had all the grapes i can motherfucker yeah can't be as good as one of those grapes you ate that's such a crazy story (sighs) yeah well we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to we gotta go to japan we gotta go to japan someday i know the grapes I want to know the hype. I want to be bidding in the pit with those people. Bye, bye, bye. I want those grapes. Is there grapes and white strawberries and sticky melons, man? Come on. Is there a durian liqueur? Oh my God. Should be like 
paired with Malort. Malort. <laughs> Durian it's, a Japanese, Malort. it's a Japanese Malort. Oh, there's, there's got to be something. I'm looking up right now. Look it up. Durian liqueur, yeah. It's got to be something. All right. Well, with that, we're going to slide over from... Yes, there is a durian liqueur. Is there? Uh, happy birthday, Brian. You know what you're getting next year for your birthday, which just passed. Happy birthday, belated. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you're going to get some durian liqueur next year. Well, I'll look forward I mean, to that like, in 350 days. That's right. You oh, might get it before then for Christmas. Oh, baby, baby. You have oh, to baby. do the durian with a chaser of Malort. Oof. Imagine if it was like two terribles making awesome. Oh my God. You'd be like, this is fantastic. Why has no one put these together? You'd be amazing is you trying to sell it to people. Like, smell this and try this. And they'd be yeah. like, these taste great together. Like, there's no fucking way. It's if that happens or I enter like the upside down, like in Stranger Things. That's, that's those are the only two possibilities. Yeah. Or just like Brian tried him. He did. That's, yeah. that's what happened. He did. He died doing what he loved. Durian and alcohol, a deadly mix, question mark. Oh, I got to click on that. Fake that's, news. Fake news. That's a click call. <laughs> so we're going to go. Let's get into the Genjula. This is a pretty interesting story that we found. And it's a study that says adults often substitute cannabis for prescription drugs. And this was done Duh, in the right? Journal of Psychoactive Drugs. They did a study. And a team of investigators from the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York and University of Miami assessed marijuana use trends among 1,000 adult use customers in Colorado. Dude, the Albert Einstein got me going. Like, this is legit. And then you said the you. I'm like, of course I smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, right. Um, so 74% of those surveys said that they consumed cannabis to promote sleep while 65% reported using cannabis to alleviate pain. Among those respondents with a history of taking prescription sleep aids, 83% reported either reducing or ceasing their use of those medicines. And among those respondents with a history of consuming prescription opioids, 88% reported mitigating or stopping their use. Now... If you want to know why cannabis is still illegal, look at these studies and look at the companies who have also seen the results of these studies. The big, big pharma, you know, it's, it's so easy to pin, you know, just to, to blame blanket all those companies and be like, oh, big pharma is bad. But if, if you were someone from Merck or Pfizer or any of those big companies and you saw this and you're like, oh, wow, so this natural plant is going to, if people use this, they're going to stop using our $200 a month prescription drug. Of course, you would lobby the shit out of all those spineless politicians in Washington to pay them off to keep this illegal, to keep this naturally growing plant illegal, because it's going to cut into your bottom line. This is the most obvious thing ever. If you really want to know why cannabis is illegal, it's because all these fuckers are going to lose money when it does get legalized and they're doing everything they can to hold on to those dollars. That's a hundred percent it right there. Dude, that totally is like anybody that's done cannabis. And I know people have been like, well, most people that smoke and aren't doing it for medical purposes, like, you know, I get a little numb. I get a little tired. Like for me, I just like when I've done in the past, fall right the hell asleep. I'm talking about like tranquilizer dark, right? Just out. 
Um, why would you ever take like fucking Ambien? Why would you take some of these other drugs that make you act like all fucking crazy? Like it's really, really a no brainer, but you got to like step outside of like your normal realm of looking at things and say, why are we doing the things that we do on a regular basis? Well, a lot of times, you know, the way people get in trouble, especially with the opioids is that they get a prescription from a doctor and they go, oh, well, he's a doctor. He's, of course, going to be a good person and is law abiding and, you know, follows the Hippocratic oath and would never do anything to harm me. Doctors are people. People always do things that benefit them at the end of the day. And if this doctor is getting kickbacks from um, what's it? Is it Purdue Pharmaceutical, the big the big opioid producer? Of course, he doesn't. You know what? There's plenty more of people exactly like you who will come into his office that he can give opioids to if you die. But he will keep he will give it to you and the next person and the next person. So, you know, we put this blind trust and faith in certain authority figures in our lives. And that's when we tend to get ourselves into trouble. Um, it's, kind it be- of a, it's kind of a slippery slope. So when I broke, I broke three ribs was like four years ago. Shit kind of hurt. And they gave me 10, 10 pills of, um, the hell was it? Like Vicodin. Wasn't even that heavy. Wasn't like Oxy or anything like that. Um, Vicodin is no joke though either. Yeah. Vicodin is no joke. And I was at the end, like I took half of them and then I was like, they kind of make me nauseous. And I was like, I don't want any more. And somebody said like, you should try to get more just in case. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, that's not a bad idea, <laughs> but I don't take anything. Like I don't even take pain medicine. I don't take Advil. Like it's rare. Um, so I was just like, fuck it. Let me, let me call the doctor and see what he does. And he gave me a hard time about it. But then he's like, all right, I'll give you 30 more pills. I'm like, dude, you gave me 10 pills. And then I said, I'm still now you're giving me 30. <laughs> you give me 30. I'm like, that's pretty fucked up. Be like, Next time I'm only giving you 60. Pills. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like crazy. Like if I call him again, like, Oh yeah, I'll give you some more. Like what the fuck? Do you remember so, me from five years ago? Yeah. I need more of those pills. So I got them. I saved them. I have them for recreational purposes. You know, that's right. illegal. It's, more legal than smoking weed. So, you know, I'll do that. But isn't that funny? Why? Exactly. Because someone Why? signed a piece of paper saying that it should be. Yeah. People who aren't experts in the field. And I was fucking with the doctor. I was like, all right. And he's like, wow, you really hurt. And I'm like, you know, I was pretty hurt and I was pretty banged up. I'm like, dude, I got three fucking broken ribs. Like, you don't think I'm in any pain? Like really motherfucker? Like I was pretty bad. And, uh, I actually got them because I was like, maybe I'll need them because I was like, this thing's not going away. I don't know if I'm going to have to take more painkillers or whatever. And then I kind of rode through it and then just kind of, I don't know. And I was like, wow, now I have all this extra Vicodin left over. So I've told them like, hey, everybody, Merry Christmas. Have some Vicodin. Let's make a milkshake. Yeah, it's crazy how, uh, how they just keep are able to keep prescribing these and people just keep using them uh, until they can't, until they just die. That's, that's the fucked up thing about it. But we get, yeah, there's new customers, out. new customers every day. But here's the thing. Like, so if you get like, if you like doing weed, well, 
let's not even put weed versus opiates in the in the mix. Let's just say opiates by themselves, right? So if you get if you give somebody too many opiate opiates, what's going to happen? They're either going to get addicted or they're going to fucking die, right? Is it like one in five people will get addicted after using an opioid for ten days? Dude, they, I heard like you start getting addiction after like three days. It's crazy. So if you give, if you prescribe that, like you got to think about that shit that like, that's like a life choice. Like, and people don't realize it because people are usually pretty bad off. Like I know somebody had surgery and they had the uh, morphine drip and now they have technology that will stop you from doing the morphine drip. Cause you will just keep pressing the fucking button. The goddamn rat in the cage, right? Cause it feels awesome. I get, you know, I mean, why do you think like, was it the tea company in Britain were like fucking opioid, like crazy with opium? Like it, you just got to read books and, and learn about history to, to realize how much opium has been involved in, I got to say all of the, the world culture. Like it's crazy. It changed the landscape of the world. Yeah, everyone's looking, you know, most people are looking for some sort of, you know, relief from some sort of pain. And some people, you know, choose alcohol, some people choose cannabis, some people choose exercise, some people choose video games, you know, some people choose small cuttings, you know, everyone yeah. has their own way of coping with life. And uh, all these things do have different consequences, though. And, you know, the opioid one, it can get really ugly and really scary. And, you know, I've been pretty fortunate not to have anyone very close to me get hooked on them. But you hear people who, you know, just regular folks who, oh, you know, I had, uh, I pulled my back doing this and I, you know, they got hooked and, and they're never the same again because they got trapped. They got hooked on this, on this product. Yeah, it's fucked up. It can happen to anybody. I mean, it happens to professional athletes, you know, some of the toughest people in the world. Well, they get they make it, they're not, right? they're, they're susceptible to it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I like, there's a big lobby now for, I know pro football, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, athletes that sit up skiing, snowboarding, like, and now people are like, well, I, I use cannabis like on either, either when they're not getting tested or on the off season, they use cannabis rather than opioids because they're like, look, I don't want to get hooked on something if I'm nursing an injury or something like that. I mean, I don't know. You, may, you, know, you can't I, get addicted to marijuana. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You may get, you may want to keep doing it because you like the way you feel, but you cannot get physically addicted to it. But think about, but think about opioids this way, right? So think about the best day you've ever had in your entire life. You felt the best, clear. Everything was fucking great. Euphoric, right? Euphoria. Figure that. Anytime you do the opioids, of course, you're going to fucking be like a rat, like just hitting the lever, like, give me some more. Like, I want some more of that shit. Like, of course, well, especially if you're coming from a, a, a dark place, a bad place where you're either in pain or you're suffering or you're yeah. not happy. Like, that's going to, you know, that switch is it's not just 180. It's like 183. It's a complete change of what your normal everyday life is. So that makes it so much more compelling and, and easy to get. You're, you're more susceptible to it at that point. For you, everybody's telling you you got a nice ass that day. Everybody's liking every Facebook book post you do. Like Instagram is blowing up. Like, you know, 
course. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then you wake up and you're in a fucking crack house, like, and you're like, what happened? Like, opioids happened, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dark thing. Fucking opioids. All right, let's move on from opioids to something else. So, a little more fun, a little more fancy. That's right. Um, So, unofficial networks is reporting the excavator that everybody heard about. That was sorry. We're moving that to the, the uh, end, right? Uh, yes, yes. So the excavator that we all heard about in the last few weeks that was packed with cocaine, and I don't mean packed. I mean fucking packed with cocaine. Every bit of this excavator was, like, filled with cocaine. Uh, it was destined for Australian skiers. So I, I heard about X-ray it. photos. <laughs> the x-ray is fucking priceless, man. Look at all that cocaine. It's like in the arm to like fucking just chuck it in there. So the Australian Border Force are reporting massive cocaine busts of about 384 kilograms of cocaine. Damn. And the powder is found hidden within the excavator is being shipped to Australian snowfields. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it was destined for Australian skiers. God, we got to ski in Australia. Oh, remember we were in um, Whistler and that bartender was telling us like, yeah, they're all Aussies here. And every time I'm sitting here, like they ask us for cocaine and we were sitting there and somebody's like, hey, mate, do you have some cocaine? Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. That's awesome. Um, So they said uh, the origin was South Africa. It's alleged secondhand machine concealed with cocaine street value of about $144 million. So they're saying this is the largest cocaine seizure ever. That's pretty awesome. Now it's it's funny. Like the photo on the, on the site has the x-ray of where all the cocaine is. And it's just something like that. Arm of it is just full of, of, different sized bags. Dude, and, I think there's cocaine in the piston right there, right? Well, like, I, like everywhere. Like, how did it, did they, how did someone decide they were going to open this thing up to even look? Or was it just they did the x-ray on it and they're like, this doesn't look right. So you can't x-ray something like that. It comes through like shipping. They're like, ah, oh, it's a big fucking machine. Just move it through. Like maybe a dog went roof, roof. I, I don't know, man. Someone got tipped off. Like something but it's definitely not. I think one of those cocaine dogs is like, I want some of that shit, man. Yeah. You wonder how many times this actually does happen. And this is like the first time they found out about it. That is like, a shit ton of cocaine. Excavator's been just like all over the world, just full of coke. And this is the first time they got busted. Well, this is the excavator. And then there's another story, which we dropped from the, from the list that we talked about. JP Morgan was funding a gigantic shipment of cocaine as well. Right. That, no, the boat that they owned, yeah, or partial owners of, got busted with like a billion dollars of cocaine on it. Holy shit, a billion dollars! Like a freaking cargo, but it was a cargo ship, so it was like oh, yeah. a few cargo things full of cocaine. Yep. It was crazy, man. You wonder, this shit gets in all the time. Everybody loves cocaine in the summertime, apparently. <laughs> it's cocaine's a summertime drug. They call it snow on the streets, right? So everyone wants their snow. You know, they can't have it because the summer, they got to find some other kind of snow. If it was winter all year, there'd be no need for cocaine because we'd have all the snow we need. Exactly. 
Oh yeah. That should be on a t-shirt. Yes. Dude, that should be a song right there. That's like a, uh, some sort of like Canadian country music. I think that could be a t-shirt. That could be a high flute and ski bum t-shirt. Is, uh, is Saskatoon the, uh, Nashville of Canada? I think it is. I think it is now. It will be. The Nashville of Canada. Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. Saskatoon. So sorry, all you Aussies, for your lack of cocaine this summer or your winter. Put another shrimp with a bobby and wait for the cocaine shipment to come in. Don't you worry. JP Morgan will bring another boatload for you in your future, <laughs> I'm sure. With good packing and some crafty, like, earth movers. Submarines. Cocaine. <laughs> cocaine subs. There's cocaine shooting up right from the goddamn... From the seafloor. All right, so that wraps up the old gondola. So okay. let's jump right into let's the ski news. news. First up, you know it is middle of summer, but there is lots of good ski news. We actually had to cut a bunch of stuff out because there was so much. This is about only one third of the original stuff we had because we had so much stuff. There was a ton of stuff, yeah. So this got announced this past week. HBO will be creating a documentary chronicling the landmark career and closing chapter of one of skiing's most accomplished superstars, the one and only Lindsey Vaughn. And it will be coming out on November 26th exclusively on HBO. Sweet. But that's going to be really cool. You know, she's, you know, she's so geared up for a comeback and just had, you know, I think two or three nasty incidents that, that set her back this year. Um, well, it's honestly, gonna be- what I love about this is finally, like, skiers, Olympic skiers, women skiers um, are getting fucking recognition. Like, Women's World Cup, like, like, Everybody, like all these sports that we don't pay attention to in this country, other than football and baseball and basketball, all the big ones, like they're finally getting recognition for doing some fucking amazing things. And, you know, it's about time. It's about time. Yeah. And, you know, no one, there's no one that's, that has put her, herself or person self or himself on the line as much as Lindsay has the last couple of years. I mean, she has just been balls to the wall, never giving up, never conceding, just fighting, fighting, fighting. And it's going to be, it's going to be really bittersweet seeing this because you're going to see what she had to go through. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of literal blood, sweat and tears in this, her just pushing to, um, to just, just to compete and to, to be successful in this last year I had so many uh, setbacks. But I think it'd be, be good. I think it'd be good to show people like for real, like what a real Olympian goes through. I mean, all the sacrifice. People don't realize like she's not married, right? She's she's sacrificed a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of people in that position. They sacrifice their lifestyle for working out and being the best they can because Olympics only come every four years. You can't say, I didn't do it this year. I'll do it next year. No, there's no fucking next year. You're talking about there's next four years, you know, and father time, mother time, whatever you want to call it. They're chasing you because you can only do like, how many Olympics do you have in you? 
three or four, like if you're lucky, you know? Yeah, right. So it's cool. So, oh, not good. Oh no, it's it's a big deal when you, when you think about how many chances do you have to do the Olympics and you know, she does the World Cup and World Cup is great, but like some other sports there's not a World Cup. There's not and these are Olympians that do this all the time. I mean, you're talking about you know, everybody runners like there's there's fantastic people all over the place. And it's time to recognize them because they're they're everywhere and they haven't been recognized. So it's good. It's good they're doing this. Yeah, it's cool too because it's um, the folks who are doing it. Obviously, HBO Sports, but Steve and Todd Jones from TGR are the ones who are um, collaborating with them. So you oh, know, those you know, obviously they know how to to film some amazing ski footage. So this, this should be really times, cool. Huh? They've uh, they've they've done it a couple times. Yes. So this will be cool to see right around Thanksgiving this year. So we'll keep our eyes open for that. Oh, that's sweet. I didn't realize. So she was born in Minnesota, St. Paul. Oh, you betcha. Where crashed ice used to be. Don't you know. Boom. And then Vail, where we're pretty big. If you're in Vail and you go to um, Vail Brewing Company or... Um, they sort of know us there. Rocky Mountain Taco. Kind of a big deal. That's kind of us. Just mention people. They'll give you a no percent discount. I believe we are still on Rocky Mountain Tacos garbage can. Our sticker. Oh yeah, I like it. I believe we are. <laughs> and and Lindsay liked your uh, post when you were in uh, Norway. Perhaps she did. Perhaps or somebody Perhaps. managing her account. One maybe of her one of her minions. Mayhaps liked your. Yeah, the minions. Release the minions. Perhaps. All right. So another more of a controversial note. Sean White is suing Oakley. And why? Why perhaps per se is he suing Oakley? So he is taking legal action against the goggle and sunglasses brand. um, And they're claiming that Luxottica, which owns Oakley now, uh, kept using his likeness to promote their products even after they ex- the deal expired that he had with Oakley. So if anybody doesn't know, Brian used to be a really big Oakley fan. I think he was down to Oakley underwear and not socks. Socks were maybe up and down. I actually have, I think- still have a few pairs of Oakley socks. I will tell you, my <laughs> favorite pair of underwear ever were Oakley. They had a pair, I don't know, five or six years ago that were just, they were perfect. They were perfect underwear. That's now, where it comes well, down not, to being in a ski house. You learn this about somebody. But now they yeah. have come, now that I've experienced comfy balls, <laughs> it's, it's a game changer. <laughs> comfy balls? Wait, 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 wait. You didn't, you didn't see the post I put up on it on Instagram? I did see it, but let's explain the comfy balls for everybody, for the layman. Let's hear it in layman's terms. Comfy Balls is a brand of underwear that are based out of Norway. What? And uh, they they know how to make some underwear. I'll tell you that right now. So you're saying if I want comfortable balls, I need to go to Norway on the interweb and get them shipped all the way from there where somebody's hand-stitching some comfortable ball underwear. 40% 40% of that is correct. <laughs> 40%. God damn. There's no hand stitching. You don't have to go to Norway. 
but those people they know you mean how there's to no answer. stitching at all it's all unstitched uh, i believe that small vietnamese people <laughs> do the stitching not the norwegians no. i like to believe it's the norwegian just like stitching i like thor is sitting there with his big fat gut going like he's got the viking you. helmet on you know having right. a, a horn drink. of ale that's right drinking a bunch of beers yeah you keep thinking yeah. that but those people know how to make comfortable make your balls comfortable <laughs> folks at comfy balls comfy balls blz or bls B-A-L-L-S. They're a classy operation. Not all gangster with BLZ, because that's going to be the other brand that comes out next. Yes, that's true. That's the, I bought it in Asia, like in China, made it off-brand. Anyway, so Sean White didn't get comfy balls. He had his likeness stolen is what happened. So, ooh, sunglass hut. Yeah, dude, Luxottica, Luxottica is like a, almost becoming like a creepy cartel. No, it's it's a it's a I gotta say it's probably a monopoly. So I saw a show, uh, sixty minutes did a show, like really good, and they actually talked about how much Luxottica's bought up, and they're a global. They're in, in Italy, right? They're Italian based. Yeah, uh, I think in the Dolomites, and they have. Over the years, they have just freaking either eaten the market up and bought up everybody else. Everybody that's a competitor, boom, buy them. And now they, they're not stopping. The only the only one that I know that's like from the U.S. is Warby Parker. That's the only one that's manufactured. Everything is, is Luxottica, whether it's everything or just the frames. Yeah, they're a freaking cartel. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's really crazy. So, Way to go, Sean White. Yeah. Now, I wonder too, like, was it just because Oakley used the color red in a poster? Like, is he because he's redheaded that nice? No one else can use red but him. Hey, you know, if you're Mr. Red, you're Mr. Yo, Mr. White, use my likeness. I'm coming after you, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I didn't realize that that Sean White and Oakley had parted ways, but apparently they have, and it's a uh, it's a messy breakup. I like the fact that. In solidarity, you've burnt your underwear, your Oakley underwear, and gone for a Norwegian brand that I is didn't, more comfortable on your balls. Well, I did not burn it. I think this is actually what happened. Oh. I, think, I think I was at the gym and showering, and I think I may have thrown them on top. Like, you know, the, the gym showers, you have the little door thing. I may have thrown the sweaty version of the Oakley underwear on the top thing, and when I left, forgot them. So is this like so someone found my sweaty Oakley underwear and probably was like, ugh, this is gross. I'm just going to throw them out. So I don't know the gyms you frequent, but is it a common thing to like whip your underwear around and just like throw it out? Like, woo That's only on Tuesdays. <laughs> With some towel snapping, you know. Some you're like, underwear. hey, how you doing? A little pop on the ass. Like, hey, you're the new guy. Like they put you put dirty underwear over his head. <laughs> so I went to the gym. I've been going to the gym with um, my girlfriend's son. He's like 12. And I went into the bathroom afterwards to like wash my hands. Cause I, you know, after working out, like I'm like, I'm touching all gym crappy equipment. I'm like, I got to wash my hands and then go home, whatever. So I'm going to wash my hands. And there's some old dude just walking around, just 
buck naked. I'm like, come on, dude. Old guys love doing that, yeah. They don't give a fuck. They're just like, I don't care, man. I got old balls. I'm walking around. That's what they do. Hanging low. God damn. Doing their thing, yeah. It's like National Geographic, man. This is what happens when you get old. (laughs) Like, I don't want to know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Damn. It's like, give me the shivers. Damn. So this this as a uh, get something else out. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of um we talked about the story back in January over in Taos. There was that in inbounds avalanche that happened, and just this past week, the um, the folks in Taos were they were deemed not responsible. Um, for the incident, you know, I guess the, the families of the um, the two guys who died were trying to, you know, claim that the uh, resort was negligent because they had that terrain open and perhaps shouldn't have. Um, but they did an investigation. The U.S. Forest Service, so I don't, maybe they didn't sue. Maybe it was just an investigation. Uh, U.S. Forest Service reports that the necessary safety measures were taken by the resort. And it looked, it looked at weather monitoring and the use of explosives. Members of the ski patrol were interviewed and the rescuers. Forest Service Regional Winter Sports Coordinator Adam Liddell said agency's review showed ski resort personnel complied with operating procedures. So, you know, it was just a freak, horrible incident that happened. And, you know, obviously you never want to see that happen, but if the resort was negligent or didn't do something right, you know, they should be held accountable, but uh, you know, just unfortunately it just was a, you know, freak, terrible, tragic incident. I think we talked about this before and you know what it always comes down to. We love a sport that is like, it's based on nature and you cannot predict nature, you know, as much as you want to, there's still an X factor in everything you do moving around that mountain. It could be a tree fall on you, could be, you know, free conditions, could be ice, could be anything. And uh, it's just unfortunate. It's, it's messed up, but I think everybody has to realize and understand. Be aware of your environment. Always have your head on a swivel because you know what? You never know what's going on. You really know. Yeah. And you know what, too? Like they could have. They could have put the ropes up. They could have said this area was closed. That's not going to stop people. You know, if, if it really looks that good, people would still go out there. But even if it looks great, I mean, uh, I think two years ago, now we're talking two years ago, remember there was the hotel in Italy that got uh, hit oh. by an avalanche when people were sleeping. Um, there was like two or three inbound avalanches going on just because of weather conditions. I mean... What what are you gonna do? That's just nature, you know. Yeah, yeah I got thunder and lightning gonna fucking crash my place down. <laughs> Dude, I was telling you before the podcast, I lost power for six hours this past week to hear the Damn. craziest thunder and lightning storms come through. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, so you know it's it's unfortunate, but you know again, we're we're glad that all protocols were followed. It wasn't you know, human error or human you know negligence that caused the incident. Yeah, just be aware, everybody, for next always, season. Always. And if you're all looking for next season, this season is still going on, and Mammoth Mountain announced their closing day. Mammoth, California, right? 
is announcing their closing day is July 28th. So this is the latest they've gone through. Mother Nature has been very good to them. They've had a ton of snow and they're saying the snow is melting fast because Mother Nature has turned up the heat. So they got very lucky with this global warming, whatever's going on. They got like a reprieve from everything and they got a ton of snow. So wild. Yeah, they were originally going to come for August. I think the first That's weekend crazy. in August, but they were like, yeah, it's <laughs> they're doing their best, but it's still. So pretty... when did they open back up though? Ends. Could be October, could be November. So close for two months and back open. That's Not pretty wild. Shabby. That's pretty wild. Pretty awesome, right? Awesome. Speaking of awesome and being open on time. How about the American Dream Mega Mall finally has an opening date? Why are you talking about a Mega Mall in the ski news, Brian and Mario? Dude, I've been waiting for this fucking announcement forever. I'm like, I never thought it would open. Dear listener, we will get into this in just a second. (laughs) That's right. Hold on. So the American Dream Mall is this monstrosity eyesore that was used to be what, like 10 miles from where you used to live in New Jersey? It was horrible. I would go by it every day and then 9-11 happened and I was like, they should have taken out that fucking mall because I hated it. Yeah, this, I hated that fucking mall. It was disgusting looking and it never they, opened. When did they start building that? It was always close. I don't I want to know. I think it's been about, I gotta was say it like 2008 or something? <sighs> I got to say 2008, 2005, it's, it's probably, yeah, it's going on 15 years. So they, um, so so wait, so they, they started building it. They got government funds from it, like, well, state funds from it. And they went bankrupt like twice in between. Because that was like during when the whole financial crisis hit, that company that, that was building it right there had two different locations they had a DC one and they had this Jersey one and they had to kind of pick which one they were going to put all the funding to and they ignored the Jersey one. And it was this like awful, ridiculous eyesore that it was, it was the way it was painted or, or designed. It was all like these weird, almost like Tetris looking the outside. Well, they, made, of it. they made it look like the ships that come in with the containers. Container ships. Oh, okay. It was weird, and I think that was their vision. And it was like, "What? What are you thinking? It looks disgusting. Why would anybody want to go there?" Like, I don't know. Yeah. So they're opening officially on October the twenty fifth, allegedly. Like twenty five years after they started. Now a single person went to jail. By the way. All right. And now, again, why are we talking about a mall in New Jersey? Well, because it has the big snow ski and snowboard park which will be North America's first indoor snow sports center. Wow. And it's going to be closed after two years for renovation. Because it's been there for like two years. years already. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be, uh, they're trying to, and they're trying to make like a whole, like, like apres ski scene, like bars out at the bottom of the ski indoor ski hill. Um, they were like obviously like training, you know, um, like year-round training for for local skiers in the tri-state area. 
Well, we talked about other areas in the in the world that have done this, and they do have bars and they have like training and like stuff that goes on, which is pretty awesome. But the fact that they haven't opened in like 15 years is fucking concerning. Like, I don't know. That thing was built. That was like one of the first structures built and we were waiting for it. And then I moved because it wasn't open. So I was like, fuck this place. That was place. the entire reason for moving. Dude, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, fuck this place. I'm not waiting any longer. That's okay, it. So, oh, you know what? You nailed it. It began construction at called Xanadu in March of 2005 ah, with see. a goal of having a 2007 opening date. And the other company took over in 06. Construction stalled in bada bing, bada bing, you know what I'm And then money ran dry in 2011. Well, where did the money go? Where did the money go? All right. Goddamn. So Crazy. that'll be very interesting to see if it actually opens. And I will tell you, I want to go ski there. I want to check I it think, out. I want to go up. I'm going to go visit you just to ski there. I'm like, where are you skiing this this week? I'm like, I'm not going to Mountain Creek. I'm going to the fucking mall. Season pass. Go, baby. At the American Dream. What? What? So they also have a uh, an NHL size skating and hockey rink. Of course they do. Know, you got to be in there, Brian. You got to be in there. Say NHL size. Every rink is NHL size, pretty much. Hey, hey, they're hey! All, hey. They're all two hundred by eighty-five. Don't bag it down. It's NHL size, bro. NHL size, bro. Exactly. And they have an Angry Birds themed eighteen-hole miniature golf course. Oof. I mean, it, so much is fun to be official. Had. Is it official 18 hole? Yes, it's a par three. It's a licensed official uh, PGA miniature golf course. It's an official Angry Birds. That's that's good. Do they have an Angry Birds down in Ocala? It is to die for. <laughs> uh it's fucked up. Anyway, so that's good. So Brian, I think you'll be able to ski year round soon. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Gonna get your season pass there. Shall be glorious. So next up is uh summer ski and boot storage. So I saw this and I was like, motherfucker, this is way too late. <laughs> like I'm deep into the summer. It's like in the 90s every day here. Yeah, right. Damn. So uh keep your skis like new, prevent oxidation on the bases and edges. So they're saying the transition from winter to spring can often seem endless, and it is because it kills us. It kills me. I don't know what I'm working for or not working for. Um, just kind of waiting for. Uh, but they're saying for skis, the big issue is oxidation. So you want to prevent rust on the edges and prevent dry rot, um, powdery white appearance uh, on the polyethylene basis. So they're saying damp rag, wipe down your skis and bindings, a little citric acid cleaner won't hurt. Uh, remove road salt. So they're basically saying after the ski season, hose your shit down. That's what, right? Essentially, Brian, clean it up. Yep. Clean it up, dry it off. You know, I saw all the stuff and they're like using stone pots and everything. I'm like, just dry and wipe your shit down. That's kind of like the good thing for skis. And then they're saying storage. They're saying, you know, you want to, you don't want to keep them in like, really hot conditions so you might want to not want to keep them out like in the 
like where it's going to be really hot in the summer months. Like your garage, sometimes people default to. I can get a little. A little and hot that's where. Garage. And this is kill me. So like right here, as you can see in the studio, I got my skis right up there. Yeah. Right. Climate controlled. You know where my boots are? My boots are in, in the garage. Oh. So I got a little panicky. I was like, God damn, they're going to dry out. So they're seeing ski boot storage. They're saying make sure they're dry. One of the biggest things is you get mold in them, you get mildew, uh, because they're not dry when you put them away for storage, which I get. So I put a lot of dry saw, like the little packets. I actually bought them from Amazon. Fucking chuck them in there and just put them in a, like a big container, and that thing's going to be dry as hell. But I put mine in like in the garage. I'm like, I should have them here next to the skis. Yeah, um, I got to move my, We have like a little storage unit. Like, well, it's like not a storage unit. It's like a closet. It's not insulated. Okay. Yeah, it's And it's like, it gets really hot in there. And I'm going to, I'm actually, after reading this, going to move them out of that closet and into the basement, which is like a dehumidifier is a lot drier and cooler. Yeah. I mean, they, they say here like, and I saw it firsthand with a pair of rollerblades that I had, like my first pair of rollerblades. When I moved, I don't think I I rolled those rollerblades for about, I got to say it was about 10 years. Like they were in storage for like 10 years. And I rode them for about like five years and then chucked them in there and then never saw them again. And when I took them out, I was actually moving and I was like, Oh, I don't need these. And I grabbed the, the bottom where the wheels were and I twisted and the thing totally came off of the freaking boot. Oh, crap. Like, wow. Like that is hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold for like 10 years, just like going on those things. And I tell you what, like it freaking made them so brittle that they just like boop cracked. I was like, wow. Kind of freaked me out. And that's why it's freaking me out about my boots being in the uh, garage right now. It's freaking me out too right now. I'm ready to goddamn podcast to get my boots out of that closet. Dude, why the fuck are you doing this podcast? Why you got to get your goddamn boots out? (laughs) (laughs) Or you got to be a ball like us and buy boots every two years. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) For what we paid for those boots, we got a good deal though. Because we got last for a lifetime. We got the Canada deal. That's right. I'm saying. Allegedly. You go to Canada, you go to Whistler, go to Schiffer. Allegedly. They'll hook you up. Uh, so they're saying pull the liner out, put it in a cool, dry place, clean the plastic, um, make sure. And they actually say one of the big things is make sure that the boots are like buckled in because what happens is if they're not buckled in, they kind of, they kind of set that way because it's it's hot, especially if they're in a hotter place. It'll set where they're open and they won't be like hugging your feet. So they say set them to where the bindings are and just leave them like that. So uh, I think tomorrow I'm going to take mine out of my garage and uh, they're already set the way they should be and dry. But uh, I got to give me a little TLC, man. Yeah, no, I, I, Totally agree. I one thing I always do. You mentioned the drying before. I have those. Um, they call it the hot rats. I think, or just rats. They're by Sarius. I think that's how it's pronounced. They are like these little yellow plastic pieces, and you put them in your in your uh, in the boots. There's two of them. One for each boot. Plug it in, and it's a little fan, and it dries 
it pushes the air out and it dries the boots out. I run those for like two or three days. My nice. last, my last, uh, after my last days of skiing and that keeps it really dry and prevents any of that mold or nastiness or funk growing in there. So that's, that's a little tip that we'd recommend to, yeah, whatever you can do to keep them dry. That's the most important thing. Well, here's the weirdest thing. Like if you, if you ski, a whole day on your boots and you take your boots liners out like you will sometimes notice there's like a ton of water. moisture right yeah you're like where did this water come from it's crazy and if you didn't take them out you're like wow that moisture is going to stay in there and then the next day it's just there to start the whole day out it's it's not good and it's crazy yeah i would highly recommend those boot dryers you know they they really do either great every day as soon as you're done Put your boots somewhere, jam those things in there, plug them in. Next morning, you'll have a nice dry boot to put your foot into. And even better for end of the season. Make sure you don't get any additional unnecessary rot, mold, funk, what fungus. have you. Fungus. Fungus. Fungus, yes. <sighs> All right, so that wraps up the ski news for the week. So now on to our main topic. So Brian, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, we're going to talk about our recent European vacations. What? Wait, wait, what's going on? We're ski guys. Like, what do we well, do on, on the off season? We got to do something, right? And it's funny because we both went places that have a rich ski history. <laughs> Just not during the summertime. More yours, not as mine. But, Yours definitely does. But, well, yeah, that's true. In but, in ways, yes. So, Mario, where did you where did you uh, vacation this summer? So I went to Roma. So the Ritzky history there is in the drinking and the fact that they conquered all the skiing people to bring everything to Rome. So I got to see a lot of art. Unfortunately. When I was in the Vatican, I was like, you know what? Where are the tapestries about the skiers that were defeated in battle? Because I wanted to see that shit. Because you know what happened, right? Um, but there was none. So Zeus but, couldn't defeat Uller. That's the problem. Jupiter. <laughs> That's what right, I Jupiter and the Romans. But I was hanging with Jupiter, as you saw from my Instagram post. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was great. I mean, it was three days in Rome, just like a whirlwind of just like walking and doing stuff. I got to say, we, I saw a lot of cool stuff. Um, did the whole Vatican tour, the Coliseum. Um, and it was good. You know, it was hot out there. And I was thinking how much greater this would have been in cooler weather. So, and you know what I realized? Cooler rhymes with Uller. So, in Ulu weather, this would have been Saint Uller, as per the Vatican, he's a saint. So, <laughs> Santo Uller. <laughs> uh, no, but it was good. I mean, uh, yeah, went off there. It was good. Went went with my girlfriend and uh, her son, uh, twelve years old, running around like crazy. Uh, very good kid. Um, had a fun time. It was really cool. Just, there was no uh, nothing ski specifically related that was partaken in or enjoyed during this vacation. 
other than them stabbing Julius Caesar and riding him down like a toboggan down the hill, down Palatine Hill, there was nothing else that was ski or toboggan related. It was not good. It was very hot there. Etu powder. Etu powder. But they did say they had like freak storms. Like in August, they had freak snowstorms in Rome, which was weird. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there you go. Snow everywhere. So... So, yeah, so obviously Rome, not a big ski area, but, you know, it is the capital. I have to do research, you know, to see if they had ski stuff, but I didn't see a lot of skis on, on stuff. No, huh? I would love to see the Pope skiing. Just saying. No, Just, the, hey. the, well, the new Pope doesn't have the bubble like the old ones did, right, on the Pope mobile? Dude, fuck the bubble. If you go fast enough, nobody can shoot you. That's what I say. Well, you, know, you go fast. I don't know if he would have like individual bubbles for his skis and for his body. Or Dude, if it's like one just giant bubble. Pumobile, jump into a Ferrari and just or Lamborghinis just zipping around, man. Is there, Pope, catch you. is there like a Pope Snowcat mobile? Oh, a Lamborghini Pope Snowcat mobile. <laughs> that would be sweet. Listen, with the amount of money the Catholic Church has, I'm sure they could pick up a whole fleet of them. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna write to the Pope now. I'm writing right now. That'd be good luck. I want a snow cat. <laughs> Dear Pope. I'm gonna snow cat. <laughs> Dear Pope. To go visit your uh, winter snow parishioners. You need ample transportation. You know what? I think they need to reach the people in the Himalayas. That's what I think. It's true. They need to be converted. They need to do a lot saved. of things. A lot of things they need to do. But, Bunch of uh, heathens up there. You go there, you're like, wow, we are, we live in a freaking, you look at New York City, you're like, yeah, it's all fancy and all. And you look at Rome, you're like, bunch of ghetto bitches we were. <laughs> like, they were ballers back then. We're like ghetto bitches thinking that we're great. Like, they were the center of the goddamn world. It was crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. The lavishness that was portrayed on them was not like the lavishness we should have on us as ski bum, high flute and ski bums. Just saying. Mm. That's, my, that's just me talking interesting hot take hot take hot fire we spit hot fire indeed you know who doesn't spit hot fire the pope it's true very mellow hot fire. very mellow alright what you got I saw some crazy Instagram shit from you so I went on a very different trip than you but very similar in the same in a different regard it was the same week <laughs> it was the same week that's for sure same continent that's something. Oh, oh, there you go. But we, but I went with the family. We went to Norway. And if you recall, we did an episode back in late December where we had my father-in-law on. And he yep. gave a, a rundown of what skiing is like in Norway and you know how it's very, very ski, ski-centered culture there. Which is really cool, and it was it's really fun. They um, they have, you know, it's a very different culture there. Um, one thing that I that I noticed, and just in driving around and talking to people and, and just seeing the way they act, is they're a lot more concerned about the permanence of things than we are. Like we have a very disposable culture. It seems like. We're, we're always quick to, you know, find the newest trend, buy a new car, knock down a house, build something new. Like, there, things you are look for the meaning of things, right? What's that? 
they look for the meaning in things? Like, what does that mean to you? It's not even that, really. It's just that they, they realize that things need to be around. Like, the things have time. Things aren't disposable. Uh, right. one not thing like I you get in Starbucks and you chuck it in the garbage. You're like, oh, it's recyclable. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, but you know how long it takes to get recycled? There was, there's a lot to that. They, you know, they try to eliminate waste as much as possible. Um, the one thing was like going past cemeteries. They, you know, like here you'll see someone throw like a, a bouquet of flowers next to a gravestone. There they're actually planting flowers. Nice. And that was like, if you wanted one symbolic thing that would represent that different cultures, like that to me was it. You know? um, but it was just, it was just breathtaking the environment too, you know, the, just driving around. We drove in a bunch of different places. Um, we, we were on the, a boat for one day, which was really cool, uh, down like the uh, Swedish border over there, cruising around. Um, we went to this little island, and it's only, they have a restaurant on there, and it's sort of like a, like a hippie-ish, like a, like a Norwegian hippie island. And there's no cars allowed on there, and this restaurant's only open in the summertime. You can only get to it by boat. Wow. And they grow a lot of vegetables there. They have a farm. And it was awesome because everyone just kind of pulls up on their boat and goes and gets a drink or food and hangs out a bit and gets back on their boat and goes on their, their merry way. So it was, uh, it reminded me a bit Oslo. This was, so this was like just, this wasn't Oslo. This was like further south by Sweden. But like Oslo itself reminded me a little bit of Seattle, just the way it was, you know. Right on the water, very like nautical. There's a lot of construction. There's a bunch of tech going on there. I mean, on a way smaller scale than Seattle, but the the ge- like geography, the topography, it gave me a little bit of that vibe. Um, not as much heroin though. That was no. That's man, heroin. That's the art scene's not nearly as good there because of the lack of heroin. But, not a lot yeah. of um, earth movers with cocaine in them. Well, I saw a lot of earth movers, but I did uh, not. Uh, I did not have my X-ray glasses on to check for the cocaine. Did you? Were you offered the cocaine? I was not. Damn it! Yeah. Um, one was it in the drinks? Was it in like the real Red Bull well, with cocaine? Let me tell you one thing about people in Norway, and you know, talking to um, our hosts and you know, their friends and family, they love rules there, and they love to abide by the rules mm-hmm. uh, like even like dry like speeding they have in the city limits they have like speed cameras everywhere you will just if you're over you'll get dinged um, but if you go over and somebody's in the car it pisses them off right that you're not following the rule yeah they're very law-abiding people so you be like nobody's gonna catch me like no but you're breaking the rule yeah but that was one thing that was I found kind of that's another big culture difference between the US and obviously there because here, you know, every you look at all the whether it's innovation, arts, um, culture, like we're always trying to push and break the rules while they're trying to keep following. So it's kind of like that the definitely two sides to the same coin of where things are valued for their tradition and for doing things long term versus trying new things and breaking rules so it was uh again culturally very different from us here but it was 
it was just beautiful. Like the landscape is beautiful. Um, you know, the city was very easy to get around. They're trying to, they make it really tough for cars there. One thing that, again, kind of the trust thing, whenever you're at a crosswalk, people don't even look so if a car is coming. They just know that you're going to stop. Which, wow. anywhere here, I mean, you got to make sure if you're in, you know, getting wiped out, bro. Around, you got to wipe, make sure no one's tuck and I mean, roll, motherfucker. Light, tuck and roll. It could be green, if, you know, light could be green going your direction. You still got to look, and make sure no one's just barreling through That's right. on their cell phone, not paying attention. Cell phone and meth, man. That's what happens. So, again, there, you know, it was the summertime, obviously, so we didn't have all the, uh, the snow and experiencing the the skiing and obviously being Nordic skiing and being in Scandinavia, it's more cross country. That's, that's sort of their, their bread and butter biathlon. Um, what was cool is we went to what's called the Holman Cone, which is in Oslo. It is a ski jumping location. Yeah. And this is where they hold uh, cool. the World Cup events every year. And they've had the world championships. They had the Olympics in 52 and it's right there in the city. So you can be just driving along and you can look up. I mean, it is pretty far. It's only in you know, certain spots in the city, but you can actually see this massive ski jump, right, as part of like the, the landscape. So we went and we, you know, you can go to the top there and check that out. And in the same building, they have a ski museum. So it was showing the history of, you know, the, uh, the old fashioned skis they used to use when they would you know, cross country or use for what we call biathlon now, but they would use them as, as transportation to go and go hunting. And they had they had that in there, examples of that, some artwork, and they had a bunch of displays too, showing the home and home when they first opened it in 1896, a, like a replica model of what it looked like then. And I think maybe every like 15 years or so, it got modified and built up, and oh, they wow. showed the sizes of it, how much it changed from being like a little tiny jump in like 1896, but I don't know if it was like 15 meters maybe was the whole distance. Or now it's like, oh, I think it's like 200 meters. Just showing how it's evolved and grown and, and gotten bigger over time. And I got to tell you, man, from that top where that jump is, it is terrifying. I mean, <laughs> that jump is long and that, that where it launches you off. And then you're pretty much going to land. And it's almost, it, it looks like a, um, uh, like a performing arts center, like, where the landing spot is in the summertime, obviously, because there's no snow, but it looks like a little amphitheater almost where you're landing into. Damn. It's, it's trippy, man. It's really trippy. But it was uh, it was really cool to see. And then also in that museum, what they had is they had a bunch of skis from Norwegians that have won Olympic medals. So they had like Stein Erikson's skis from the 50s. Nice. They had, um, you know, a bunch of... Uh, Oh my god! Why am I drawing a blank on his name? We got the the super G downhiller who just uh, won recently. Ah, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Svindal, yeah, Ansel Lund Svindal. Um, they had his skis there. They had a bunch of cross country, a bunch of the ski jump skis. Oh, very cool! It was really, really cool. So it was a whole kind of history of Norwegian skiing. And that obviously I found really cool. And I stopped at the town of Ski to get a picture in front of the town sign. So my only request. And uh, we drove around a couple spots to find 
the best spot because yeah, everything was called you know it was like the ski train station, the ski <laughs> hospital. Uh, there was the ski taxi because everything you know obviously they put the name of the town in front of what it is. Yeah, the ski proctologist. Like there was just <laughs> everything. Dude, just that would have been a great picture. You bending over. Sushi. Yeah, got the ski pole. He's like, hey, ha, ha. Aha, gotcha. Anything more than three fingers to ski pole, right? That <laughs> old gag. Yeah, so it was. It was great. It was. It's a beautiful country. Yeah, How was really the food great. there? I had a bit of a stomach incident. I was there. Uh, I don't know if it happened on the. I'm pretty sure it happened at JFK or on the plane. Did you have the rustafish or what? What happened? I didn't actually get any lutefisk. Lutefisk? Nothing. Didn't get any of that. No. Yeah, you know, most of the food we had was pretty. Pretty benign. It was, you know, sausages and went for pizza a couple times. What else did we have? Uh, had a hamburger once. Like it was, the thing is, their breakfast, like, you know, we had a lot of different yogurts. And one thing you notice too is how much more sugar they put in everything here in the US versus oh, yeah. uh, the other yogurts were a lot more sour. They were natural, they were local. They were really good, but again, it's, you're not getting that. All that extra sugar that we're used to here. They love they love meats and cheeses in tubes. That's a big thing with them. Like breakfast, mm-hmm. they have like caviar. It's like a toothpaste tube, but it's like caviar. <laughs> they had one thing. It was right. bacon and cheese in a tube. Ah, come on. Amazing and awful at the same time. Damn. We did find a lot of great bakeries. The, and now, I don't know if you noticed this too when you were in Rome. Did you have like some of the bread there? Like, doesn't in, bread, in isn't Italy? bread? Yeah. Oh, it was fucking crazy. It was like all bread. Like it feels different in your mouth because like the wheat is so different they use than we have here. Yeah, it wasn't overly. I, I could. I don't think you can get a bad meal in Rome. Oh, I mean, you're in a, you're like the food capital of the world there, right? Dude, it was fucking amazing. Like we went out, so we got recommendations from the hotel like two nights for for breakfast uh, for dinner. And it was great. And the other night, we're like, let's walk and find some place. And you found some like little tiny place. And that little place was probably the best that we had. We just freaking went there and like, oh, we'll, go, we'll order a charcuterie platter. You know, the, the meat and the cheese and everything. And the dude's like slicing it on a slicer. And there's like two people working there. It was fucking great, man. I tell you what, best pasta. Mm. Better than Boar's Head? Mm. God damn. damn. There's no meat out of a tube. They're like, what? (laughs) Like, what? Like, smack you. They're like, ah, you want a fresh one? (laughs) Slap you with a salami there. That's right. Boom. I ate the salami while they smacked you with it. I don't know. It's crazy. It was good. So I got to say, food-wise, Italy probably over Norway, but... Oh, every day of the week. <laughs> a million times over. Each meal, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, Great salmon, though. Yeah? Local salmon, yeah. They, they catch them up there. Fresh? That's the salmon capital. They, they know their seafood up there. So how do they make it? Smoked? They smoke what? it, usually, yeah. Yeah, smoked. It's mm. good. Smoking's good. Yeah. So, did you drive around a lot? Like, where'd you go? Like, we all stayed in, like, freaking just in Rome. Like, there's enough to see. Like, we were done in, like, three days. 
tired and ready to go home. Yeah, we did Oslo for two days, stayed over there in a hotel, and then we stayed at uh, father-in-law's in Sarpsborg, which is like an hour south um, for three days. Nice. And we, we bounced around, checked out his town, and you know went on, like I said, that, that boat ride, which is about 20 minutes south of them by the Swedish border. So it was, you know, we we saw a lot. I mean, there's still a lot to see. You know, we didn't get over to the West Coast, to the fjords, to the, the bigger fjords, like where uh, Bergen is. Which so we initially fjord? A fjord do. is like, it's connected to land, but it goes out? Or what's what's a fjord? Well, layman. it's actually, here's the definition, a long, narrow, deep inlet of the sea between high cliffs. Between high so you have the cliffs and it's the water that's kind of between it. All right. So you got to have mountains and you got to have water together. Wow. So it was like, you're going in and there's like deep cliffs. Well, yeah. Wow. And you know, we didn't get to, we didn't get, there's like the Oslo fjord that's there. And then there's like, again, like the West coast has more of them, like by Bergen. And when you go North, we didn't get over there, but um, just even just the landscape is so cool and so beautiful. Cause again, it's not, like we went to we're on the water, but it wasn't really like beach beach. It's against more of these cliffs going yeah. into the water. And that's the sea that um So do people go out there and like tan and like put umbrellas up and like hang out like by the shore? Yes. We were we hung out for a couple hours down there and we found this little patch of beach. I mean it's again it's it's barely a beach, it's more rocks. Right. The, the water there. But it sits by the by the water and kinda of hang yeah, out. Yeah, people just like even at like parks people just hang out you know throw a towel down and yeah do some sunbathing you know there'll be some people are topless some people are not like we went to whoa whoa whoa. it was a clean show sure is men are topless (laughs) um we went to um like when we were in Oslo too went to frogner park which is kind of famous for the statues they have there they have like all those like they're like it's it's supposed to be like family, but it's all like these like naked people statues, like a whole row of them, and it goes to this like obelisk, which is like this. I don't know if it's like twenty or thirty feet tall of just like people, like it's all carved out of granite, like all these like bodies and people. It's, really, it's really funky. Yeah, it's really huh. cool. But people, it's a, it's a giant park, so people are just out there kind of sunbathing and hanging out and doing That's what people cool. do in parks. Yeah, they, and if it's really hot, you know, like they had a a really hot summer last year they have you know fountains and people were actually just swimming in the fountains to cool off nice so we were there i mean you could not have had more perfect weather it was pretty much mid to high 70s and sunny no wow. humidity it was it was awesome really That's nice cool. and the craziest thing is because you're so far north it doesn't get dark so 11 o'clock at night there was like seven o'clock at night and like new york city at the same time, it was, it was really, it kind of threw you off because you're thrown off because of the time change to begin with. And then having it not get dark when you're used to it getting dark, you're like, Oh, we're just going to have dinner and hang out for a bit. And you're like, Oh, it doesn't seem too late. And you're like, Oh, it's 1030. Crap. Yeah. Well, we're in Italy and it, it's gets a lot darker, like later too there. And we were like, what? We used to like 830. We're like, like 10 o'clock, 10 30. We're like, oh, get the fuck out of here. Like, pretty late. Yeah. Weird. It, they definitely did live differently over there. Just Europe in general. But, uh, yeah. From my experience, and, you know, 
it's it's just a different way of living you know i so always back to ski what's the over under on going back to ski uh, it's probably 80 percent 80 percent 80 percent so where are we when are we going that's what we got to figure out what's the plan that's what we got to figure out 80 percent that's high that's we gotta do that next year again Excuse me. Yeah, that's um, you know, from you can actually ski within 30 minutes of Oslo, and I think um, like Lillehammer and them are maybe an hour or so north of there. And then if you really want to go, like you can go like, like way you're north. die in like three years. Where are you gonna go in the next three years? Right, three-year plan. What do you got for you? Three-year plan. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm way too tired, but I will, <laughs> I will, I will table that and think about it this weekend. Boom. Boom. I think we need to move into the uh, under the ropes. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, check out our Instagram. We got all kinds of information on there. And uh, yeah, if you want to send us a, a message or any questions or comments, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Bitcoin, money. Bitcoin. That's right. All right. Under the ropes. First off, one of our favorites, that crazy bastard Elon Musk, he's announced a plan to merge human brains with AI. Because of course he is. What? He has his Neuralink, which he wants to start by treating brain injuries and eventually achieve a symbiosis with artificial intelligence. He had a announcement um, healthy people or like dementia people like what's going on with that i think it's going to be like lawnmower man first that's do what you, i'm saying do you remember that movie yes he was like that slow guy and they kind of like plugged him into genius. that machine became like this like virtual reality like genius yeah dude i saw uh, the lawnmower dog it's even better <laughs> yes yeah, so, rick and morty lawnmower dog that's even better that's right yeah so he's uh, he's trying to achieve symbiosis between humans and artificial intelligence, and he's planning human trials next year. Damn. Yeah. So this is kind of uh, awesome and terrifying at the same time. You know, one of the things they're trying to do is they're trying to, you know, hopefully find a way to treat brain injuries diseases, paralysis, Alzheimer's, and dementia, and then eventually create superhumans. Now it's just, you know, trying to, uh, to see if they can fix brain disorders with this Neuralink. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how it connects. Did you, is there no, is a chip? The part. Yeah. So you basically have to have a, you have to have a chip installed and then there's electrodes that I guess must connect to your brain somewhere. You have to implant 10 of these chips into your brain, but it's going to plan to start with just four chips in the initial human trials. Damn. This is going to happen next year. So this is where I get into like, so you want to do cutting edge work in the scope of what you're allowed to do. So the government can do like anything they want. They're like, Hey, 
let's experiment on people right away. You know, whereas like if you do it outside of that, like you got to go through all these trials, which is kind of messed up. But whatever. Let's see where after it plays a man out. reportedly tried flushing methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia down a toilet, while police carried out a search warrant in his home. Whoa, whoa, Colorado whoa, police whoa. Department. whoa! We don't want to. <laughs> it's always back to meth, isn't it? It's always back to meth. Um, all right. So before we get to the meth, uh, we'll say. The House passes an amendment ordering the Pentagon to review whether the U.S. experimented weaponizing ticks. So they passed an amendment and, you know, not I'm surprised. I'm not surprised it's not New York or New Jersey, but offered by New Jersey Republican Rep. Chris Math to order the Pentagon Inspector General to conduct a review about whether the military experimented, experimented with making ticks into biological weapons. So. Yada, yada, yada. They're saying that were the ticks used um, to spread diseases like Lyme disease and things like that. And they're going back to let's order a review to see if they, they were used as biological weapons between the years of 1950 and 1975. Does it fucking matter at this point? Is anyone still left who... Uh... They don't still alive who would have put that order out. Yeah. So do we want a shit ton of money spent on this? Like we have a problem now. Do you really give a fuck how it got here? Um, and maybe you want to know why, but do we really want to spend a shit ton of money knowing why? I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, so I mean, I, you've got to want like this is I would not be surprised if this happened. Um, I know like in our area here in the northeast, like, there is Dude, a I'm not surprised. I would think they did it. Like, I would think, yes, they did it. But do they perhaps have some sort of antidote? Because, you know, there's no real... I mean, is there a cure for Lyme disease? Is it just treatment for it? It, Well, so the the whole thing with Lyme disease, you got to get it early, and it's fully curable. But if you don't get it early, and it causes, like, problems, those problems are not reversible. It's like... like Really bad. Like, it's like paralysis, right? Oh, yeah. it's, it's, It's pretty horrible. Um... So they're saying um, uh, significant research had been done at U- U.S. government facilities, including Fort Derrick, Maryland, and Plum Island, New York, which is right off of Manhattan. Um, so they're saying that to turn ticks and other insects into bioweapons. So I wouldn't put it past the government. But at this point, I don't know. Do you want yeah. to do it? If they did it, I want to know if they have fucking cure. How about that? That's the thing. If Harding wants to be all like conspiracy theory, like be like, yeah, man, the government's plotting to take us out. But then you just wonder if it's is it just our you know science fiction imaginations getting away with us? And you know, the more information that we have, the better because we can it'll allow us to be a little more vigilant when other shady or potentially shady things pop up. But this one is a. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to have answers, but again, what would that prove at this point? And is it would it benefit us anyway in knowing this truth? So you know what pisses me off about this whole article is I read a, a read thing here, and they're saying Smith has been a fierce advocate of raising awareness about Lyme disease and increasing prevention efforts, and Smith, the co-chair of the House Lyme Disease Caucus, earlier this year introduced. Ticks Identity Control and Knockout Act, 
And I'm like, there's a house Lyme disease caucus. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's like, so we're paying for that. We're paying for a house Lyme disease caucus. Like, really? Like, there's a whole caucus on Lyme disease. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it seems a little unnecessary. Maybe you can lump that in with something else. And they're asking for a bill to be passed to fight Lyme disease. And if passed, it would authorize an, ad- an additional, not what they've been, they don't say what they were funded for, an additional $180 million to boost funding for Lyme disease research. Well, I have to go to Tahiti to research to see what sort of Lyme disease they have there in Tahiti. It's going to take six months. That's fucked up. And they're saying the CDC, so the Center for Disease Control for the entire United States, currently spends about $11 million, $11 million on Lyme disease research. Right, where's this $180 million coming from? This and figure? it's $180 million would boom. I have no idea. Yeah. And this week earlier, I saw a fucking crazy article on the clone tick. Did you see that shit? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so disgusting. So ticks are in the limelight now, in the Lyme disease light. Super hot right now. Super Lyme light. Bastards. Fucking hate them. Yeah. All right, Mario, let's wrap this up. And this is all you. This is your. Uh, Bring it home, Brian. I know know this has a, a heart for you. I'm just happy this wasn't in Florida. I'm Sorry. actually extremely surprised that it wasn't in Florida. Surprise, right? Yeah. So, so, all you folks out there, please don't flush your drugs down the toilets. Okay? <laughs> Tennessee police warn of creating meth gators. <laughs> that sounds like a minor league baseball team name. <laughs> Dude, that would be a great minor league team. Like the, the meth gators. Wichita meth gators. <laughs> Wichita. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Tennessee Police Department asked residents not to flush drugs in toilet for fear of creating meth gators. God damn. The Laredo Police Department posted the warning on Facebook Saturday after a man attempted to flush, flush methamphetamine and related paraphernalia <laughs> down the toilet as they searched a home in a town of about 2,000 people located 100 miles south of Nashville. Folks, please don't flush I'm thinking right now because I'm thinking gators are there and they're like meth. Like, you know what meth gators lead to is meth snakes, man. That's like fucking meth everything. Oh. It says, okay. now our sewer guys take great pride in releasing water that is cleaner than what is in the creek, but they are not really prepared for meth. Damn. So, yeah, they said they, you know, this goes into like a retention pond where wildlife resides. So, you know, ducks, geese, fowl, gators—they're all in those in those ponds. Well, <laughs> I, I heard I heard something similar to this before. So, like, they um, when I was still living up in Jersey, uh, they were talking about like everything that goes into the water. And I say everything that basically flushed down goes back into the water if it's not screened out. And what they screen out is all the solids and everything like that. They, they're not like boiling your water, your, your, you know, normal water for anything. If it gets reprocessed, it gets screened out and like put back in. So they said at the time, one of the big things that people were being exposed to, including men was birth control. They were like, 
if birth control gets like flushed down, now everybody's like getting that in their water, which is pretty fucked up. So if you do math, like that neighborhood could be getting one of the math. It's like meth and birth control. Meth control. Meth control. Does that mean you're gonna have like eight babies once? Have like a litter? We have like no no meth babies. Like I don't know. Like crazy crack babies. They have meth babies. That's right. Yeah, it's fucked up though, right? Like it's um, really fucked up. It's amazing how much confidence, like or dependence, we have on other people not being stupid, which is why we have so many problems. Yeah, but you never realize, like, so if you're in New York City, right, you're getting your water from a big reservoir that comes from, you know, the mountains up north and all that other shit and blah blah blah. Where they make that clean, huh? Where they make the meth. That's right. And it's very clean and it goes into there and you get great water for New York. And then they take their their sewage and they flush it down. It goes somewhere else. Where does it go? And everything that New York has goes somewhere else. So where does that go? Where, where does the poop go? That's what I'm saying. Pennsylvania. 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 Exactly. And if you reprocess your, your waste, which a lot of places do new jersey does it too um yeah that's not getting screened out now at this point couldn't we have turned staten island to not everest with the amount of poop coming out of new york city dude we should have just keep stacking it up that could be the biggest ski slope on the fucking northern hemisphere exactly that's what i'm talking about the same or like a floating ski mountain right in the Atlantic ocean on poop on poop Little methane like holes like drilled in there, just whatever. But an aerate. Damn. Well, there you go. That's a wonderful idea that we have. Where's that's, the we're gonna, that's where we're gonna end the podcast. Thank <laughs> you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at Twitter or at Jesus. Not Jesus. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Or at Jesus.com. Yeah. Check us out on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Ski Bump Podcast. We are also available on all your favorite podcasting sites. And uh, not your favorite ones, too. We're on the not favorite ones as well. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher. We're on Itcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Audify. We're everywhere. Everywhere. Check us out. Go to SkiBumpPodcast.com for all the information. And we will talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay flute. See ya.